Welcome to the Canon Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Tim Emmett, the lead pastor at Canon, and I hope that this message will help you take your next step with Jesus as he leads us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, from the world as it is to the world as it will be. Thanks for joining us. Does anybody have a green thumb out there? I know Catherine does. <laughs> I confess I do not have a green thumb. I have always wanted to have a green thumb. But despite the fact my grandfather and my great uncle had nurseries that distributed uh, plants across the southeast, and my mom and my mother-in-law and our oldest daughter all have green thumbs, I am challenged, particularly with indoor plants, to keep them alive. Right, Martin? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I do much better with planting things outside. Um, But I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Uh, Conventional wisdom would say that good soil is uh, necessary for planting and sowing uh, seeds that will produce fruit. But this parable would seem to argue otherwise, maybe make the point that is a little bit different. The parable that Jesus refers, that is referred to as the parable of the sower in some texts, it's also referred to as the parable of the soil in others, I think is curious because it really depends on what uh, perspective we were looking at the text in. And oftentimes when this parable is read or studied, the first question we ask is, what kind of soil am I? Right? That's the first inclination. Uh, What kind of soil am I? And that's fair. I mean, it it certainly is an invitation for reflection as to the condition of our hearts and lives for the fruit uh, to be born in in and through us. However, for today's purposes, I I would like to, to look a bit further and consider also what this message is for us as the church, as the people of God, as the body of Christ, as we are invited to be witnesses pointing to something beyond ourselves, a living, breathing parable of sorts, which is what parables do. They point to a truth beyond what is in the text. We, too, in our lives, in the the witness that we have and carry with us to who Jesus is and what God has done, are a parable, a living illustration that points to something beyond us. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says that we are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. And witnesses have knowledge of something, an experience of something from observation, from experience, and share that as a sort of testimony, right? When people are called into to court as witnesses to something, they share what they observed or what they experienced. And and as followers of Jesus, we are representatives of the church, whether we are conscious of that or not. Whether we are conscious of that or not. And if we're honest, most people that are not a part of the church have certain ideas about the church, about Christians, that are less than favorable. If you're not sure about what I'm saying, just do a simple Google search. Why are Christians so? It troubles me to tell you that the first word that comes up is mean. Why are Christians so mean? Jesus says that they will know you are mine by your 
judgment, by your fights, by your boycotts. They will know you are mine by your love. The truth is, and this was certainly confirmed and affirmed in my doctoral research, most people come to follow Jesus because of a relationship that they have made with another believer. Not because preachers preach great sermons. Not because the music is top-notch, although it's top-notch. Not because we have a beautiful building or the live stream is awesome, Anthony but rather the intersection of people's lives. Donald McGavran, who is known for the large, the the church growth movement, um, actually said that we are, the people, as the people of God, are the bridges of God. Relationships matter. The problem is, um, and I'm just going to articulate something that, an itch that maybe we can't name, that we can't scratch, and the problem is that that the longer we are in the church, the fewer people we know that are not in the church. We tend to practice a sort of extractional uh, evangelism, if you will, that often removes us from the social interactions um, from those who are not yet following Jesus, which can create a sort of false ecosystem within our churches that can be less than resilient in a rapidly changing world. This is what the church is experiencing, church with a capital C all over the world. But soil, like human beings, is shaped by its environment. You have to put good stuff into soil in order to get good stuff out of the soil. Likewise, gardening is a workout, right? Anybody really work up a sweat out in the garden, got those sore uh, hamstrings and bending over and all the things that you've got to do? Uh, to to cultivate good soil. I've heard it said that the average church attender, the average churchgoer is about 3,000 Bible verses overweight. Meaning we know a lot, but we've not done a lot with what we know. We failed to put what we know into action. We failed to be transformed by what it is that we know because we haven't put it into action. We haven't practiced it. We haven't worked it out. Um, and so gardening or tending the soul of our lives and our relationships and our community is the workout that I am suggesting for all of us as a, a, a simple way, a habit to have in this new year. Because the generosity of God is evident in this text. God who distributes seed on all kinds of soil. All kinds of soil. Our task is to tend that soil. God's is the harvest. And the scripture tells us that the laborers are few. And to ask the Lord of the harvest for laborers to to go out into the fields, the fields of our lives, of our community, of our workplaces, of our schools, the generous generosity of God is evident in this text. And what I what I read is that we're we're not conducted, we're not instructed to to conduct a feasibility study to say is if that soil is favorable for seeds of the kingdom to be sown there, to determine whether it would make the most sense here or there or places that look less than favorable. But the sower God is so generous to sow on all kinds of soil. 
And we read of these four different conditions in us and in the, the people of our lives, the, the places of our community that surrounds us that the seed is scattered. And first we, we read of the path that is hard, the path where the soil has been compacted down, where nothing can penetrate it. The seed sits right on top of it. The seed is sown there nevertheless, but the seed sits right on top of the soil and quickly gets blown away or is eaten by birds. The ground is hard, much like the projective layer that so many people who have had hard things happen in their lives put around themselves to protect themselves. They don't let their guard down. Life has worn them down. These are the harassed and helpless that we read of in the Gospels that are like sheep without a shepherd. One of the men that I used to uh, that used to be a member of a congregation I served, say these are folks that are overlifed. They've put up a veneer around their hearts and their lives. And there are it, people that are in self-preservation mode. It's hard for the seeds of the kingdom to be cultivated and grown in that kind of soil. And yet the seeds are there nevertheless. Then there are those places of, of, of rocky paths that have no depth, really. They might look hopeful at the start. The, the seeds might uh, begin to, to kind of spring up, but neglect to water and or maybe get a little too much sun and poof, anything that began to emerge is gone. When the going gets tough, those who have only gotten to the surface level go. You've seen the weeds that spring up in rocks, right? Those prolific weeds that just kind of come up only to get a little crispy around the edges on those two hot summer days. Similarly, I, I think that being transactionally minded about sharing our faith only takes us an inch deep. There is not the fertile ground of relationship and trust that is born there to share our faith and our witness as followers of Jesus. We can be guilty of being a little overzealous, maybe, and telling someone all the answers before we even know what questions they are asking. Taking the time to get what those questions are. Rather, relationships. Take time. Take time. And that's where real trust is, is born and can take us deeper and farther with greater possibility that will bear fruit for eternity, fruit that will last. And then there are those thorny places that are named in the text where the seed is also sown. Though there are greater possibilities for growth there because something's growing there already, um, often those thorns compete for the nutrients in the soil and choke out the, the growth of the seeds. Many of us have things in our lives that do the same. Many of those in our larger community have things in their lives that do the same, that compete for the growth God intends for us. Things that distract us, things that steal our time and affection from God, that compete for that attention, that take our eyes off the message of God's unfailing love and grace that invites us and everyone into a relationship, relationships, take time. And then there is this that's called the good soil, where seed is also sown by the generous sower. 
good soil doesn't just happen overnight. As I said, it takes time. It takes tending. It takes years to cultivate good soil. And good soil has to have good stuff put into it. We can't just use it and use it and use it and deplete it of its nutrients. Some of that requires rest. Some of that requires rotating crops. Some of that requires some decay. Maybe there's some things we need to let go of. Some of that requires fertilizer. And the last time I looked, there's more than enough of that to go around. But still, we fail to use it rightly for the fruit of the kingdom of God to grow. Good soil requires moisture and turning and tending. And if I'm honest, I might be guilty of seeing certain places and people and counting them out because the conditions appear less than favorable. Maybe I'm the only one. But God, God is so generous to continue to sow the provenient grace of God that we, we name as Wesleyans goes before us, is always working and calling people back into relationship with the God that they were made to be in relationship with. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And there are good works that God has prepared in advance for us, Paul reminds us. So let's talk about the condition of the soil that God has been so generous to sow in, in our lives, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, because too often we too not only disqualify others or places, but we disqualify ourselves from sharing our faith. When God has qualified us by our adoption, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, in the words of the Apostle Paul, it is in our forgiveness and in our dependence on God's grace that we are not reliant on plausible words of wisdom, but on power in our weakness. It is for our sake that grace extends more and more that the thanksgiving and glory of God might continue to be increased. This is what? the apostle tells us. Ultimately, God's harvest will be far greater than in proportion to our labor. That is God's economy. God gives us so much more than we can give. God multiplies all that we are able to give in unimaginable, unmeasurable ways. I'm not asking you to be a weird Christian. I know plenty of them. That's not what this is about. This is about a relationship. This is about recognizing the presence of God that is everywhere we put our feet. Everywhere. And yes, you can invite people to church. That's great. But I would invite you, rather, first to invite people into a relationship with you first and then with God. Relationship is where that real transformation happens. I could say so much about the soil that Canon Church has cultivated over the years in this community and the lives of, 
um, the people right outside the doors and our neighborhoods and even to the ends of the earth? What plots of soil has God given you right now to cultivate? Matthew 9 and Luke 10, Jesus declares that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful because the sower is generous. The generosity of the sower doesn't wait for weather conditions to be perfect. Is that irresponsible? Is that wasteful? Or is that the grace of God, the reckless love of God that would scatter seed everywhere? Does the sower wait for conditions of the soil to be perfect? Well, obviously not. And yet the seed is sown in all types of soil anyway. Does the sower wait for all of the soil to be turned and the rocks to be removed? No. God scatters the seeds with abandon. That is God's part. Our work as laborers is to cultivate the soil of our lives, of our relationships, of our community. Not to turn our backs when the ground is hard and walk away. Not to water it once a year and hope for the best. Not try to hold on for dear life to all the competing priorities going a mile wide and an inch deep. Transformation can't happen there. But it's time. It's persistence. It's presence. It's proximity. It's putting some skin in the game, literally, as witnesses of the love and grace and mercy of God. Walking what we talk, not just on Sunday, but daily, weekly, monthly. That's what cultivating the soil looks like because God is a generous sower and God is not done. The harvest is plentiful and the harvest is God's, but the laborers are few. All of us are called in all of the places of our lives to cultivate the soil of the kingdom that God wants to see emerge in all of these kinds of soil. And so as we prepare to finish up this series and to to go into the the world that God loves, that God sent his son to, I invite you to consider prayerfully what this field is that God is inviting you to cultivate the soil in, that these kingdom seeds might begin to emerge and bear fruit. I have a couple of suggestions in the bulletin today for you to do that. We also have a little supplement that you got when you walked in, and this covers all five weeks of the series and all of the ways that we invite you to practice these five simple ways to have a great year. We want this to continue to be a part of your transformation as we seek to follow Jesus, not only as individuals, but as a church, the body of Christ together. We are able to do so much more as we are better together. There are a couple of books that I also suggest in in today's uh, bulletin that are also included in the supplement. Books that have changed my ideas about evangelism and what it looks like to share uh, my faith. 
because we can have certain ideas about what that looks like. But I invite you to consider these sources and, and perhaps have your mind changed about what sharing your faith looks like. First and foremost, it is about proximity. It is about presence. And it is about prayer. It is about prayer that the kingdom of God might continue to be expanded in the everyday places and spaces of our lives. Let me pray for us. Gracious and loving God, we are so grateful that you are so generous. Though there may be places and people where we can't see the possibility, you so anyway. Jesus, we pray that you would soften our hearts, that our hearts might become fertile soil for your kingdom to be expanded in us and through us. May we tend to the soil of our relationships. May we tend to the soil of our neighborhoods, our networks, our schools, our workplaces, with faithful presence that we might share your love and grace and testify so that your, great, your glory and our thanksgiving would grow and increase. We ask and we pray that you would give us eyes to see and hearts to know, recognizing our own weakness where your power might be made perfect. It's in Christ's name that we pray it. The church said, amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this message will help you have a great week by helping you walk in faith, hope, and love. Looking for more information about Canon? Check us out on the web at canonchurch.org or follow us on Facebook at Canon UMC and Instagram at Canon Church 2424.